Cindy, come up. Everybody, I think, knows Cindy and Kent, her husband, host an illness recovery group of their own. Give her a hand. You can tell them about your illness recovery group. Okay. Yes. Our illness recovery meeting meets at Life Christian Church in Troy, which is on Rochester Road, um, just north of Big Beaver or 16 Mile on the west side of the road. And we meet on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock every week. So we just started a new series of classes last week. So our, our um, healing meetings are um, uh, based upon a Bible study that I um, have put together based completely on God's word. Um, it's got three big parts. The first big part is laying the foundation of the truth of God's word, that it is God's will to heal. That's the bottom line. And so many people don't know that because out in the world, the enemies whitewash the truth. So we go to the Bible and we show what the Bible says, that yes, it's God's will to heal. And we spend several weeks talking about what Jesus did when he was on this earth and what the prophetic word says and how the prophetic word was fulfilled. We look at the ways God heals according to the word. And he still heals today in those same ways. So we just go through the foundation of the fact the truth that God heals. Then we have a series of a group of a cluster of lessons about our part in receiving because God's completed his part. So we talk about our part in receiving, believing and receiving. We teach the prayer of faith and how to speak in faith what God has already completed in the spiritual realm and draw that in to our existence. So we, we spend a, a chunk of time talking about receiving. And then the third big part of our Bible study is our spiritual authority. There's a line in the sand, and on one side of the line is the enemy. John 10.10 10 says the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. So if you have anything coming against you, that's where it came from, it's the enemy. But on the other side of that land, that line is Jesus. Jesus came to give us life, full and abundant and overflowing. So that third big part of our Bible study teaches about our authority and how to use our authority against the enemy. Because that's where sickness and disease comes from. That's where pain and inner hurt, inner pain, inner um, things that are going on in your heart, that's where that comes from. It's from the enemy. So we teach our spiritual authority. So that's kind of what our Bible study is. It's an extended series of classes, but it's, it's every class is a standalone, so it's not like you have to come every single week. But I just wanted to give you a flavor of what it's about. I want to just tag team on Edna's testimony because I just want to encourage you and others who may be in the same position as you. Um, it was probably two months ago when Pastor Tim was first dealing with the issue in his back. It was the first week. And that week, there were three people here that we were blessed to pray with for their backs. And one of them was a man who is a friend of a friend of my husband's. And he came in extreme pain. And he had been in that kind of extreme pain for a long time. And um, he had gone through a kind of a tough time in his life where he had lost his job. And as a result of losing his job, he didn't have health insurance. And because he didn't have health insurance, he couldn't have the treatment that the doctor recommended, which was surgery for his back. He had a, a ruptured disc, and he could not have surgery. So he came to this class one night. We prayed for him. Kent and I prayed for him and, and persistently prayed. We stayed with him 
most of the evening and after you know after the our our meeting ended we stayed with him and just just soaked him in prayer and we would stop every little bit and say okay how are you doing how are you doing and he was a very proper man and he was like I don't think he wanted to say too much or move too much or try too much because we encouraged him to move to, to give it a try to stand up because he said when he stood up he had a lot of pain so we encouraged him well before he left he was moving more you know he was moving a little bit and he said he said I haven't felt this good in a long time but he, he was I mean he was kind of hesitant to, to praise Jesus the way that you did. Well, he called Kent about two weeks after that particular day, completely, completely healed. So, praise you, Jesus. Yes, praise you, God. And this is, a, this is one that we just heard um, on Sunday. It's one of the um, friends. In fact, Fran and Tim, you know, it's Mary Lou and Jerry that have come here many times. They've come to our healing class as well. And um, this past week, they had to go out of town, and they were actually at a family um, gathering. An older person in their family had passed away, so the whole family was together. And one of their nephews was in extreme back pain, and he had had back pain ongoing for years. And um, Mary Lou and Jerry have been growing up and being filled with God's word about healing. And he, Jerry, has been healed of cancer. So they've experienced God's healing firsthand. And, and um, um, they, were, they had visited with their family and this nephew that was in all the pain. And, and, and then they went to the hotel and the funeral was going to be the next day. And Mary Lou was in the shower and God started speaking to her, saying, you can pray, you can lay hands on him, you're a believer. God says in the word that believers will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. So Mary Lou and Jerry are like, well, especially Mary Lou. She's saying, I can do that. And she's, a, she's kind of a, a petite little woman and she's a little bit quiet. But the Holy Spirit in her isn't. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit was saying, go girl, you are my hands. You are my voice. You go and you lay hands on him. Well, in the family, there is another um, strong Christian couple. And um, so they went and got this other, this other group to be in agreement with them, this other couple, Jerry and Mary Lou, and there was one more person. There were five people. And they went to the nephew the next day. And there's, this is in the funeral. And they're, they're looking for a place <laughs> that they can take this guy and pray. And they did. They found this little alcove where there wasn't anybody. And they said, we want to pray for you. So he said, okay. So they took him to this place and they laid hands on him. And they prayed in agreement God's will for him that his back would be healed. And it was. And it was. Praise you, Jesus. So... The nephew calls them the next day. He was immediately better. The pain immediately went way down. And um, I guess they drove from Grand Rapids to Ohio. And on the way there, he drove a little ways. And then he had to let his mother drive. And he had to lay down in the back seat because he couldn't drive. On the way back, he drove all the way home. He called his uncle Jerry the next day. And he said, I haven't felt this good in years. In years, he said, I usually take, and he told him what medicine he usually takes. And he said, I haven't taken any of that medicine, and I feel really good. He wants to get his dad, who lives in Grand Rapids with him, to drive here to come to our healing classes because he saw the goodness of God. 
God is in the business of healing. Amen. 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 Is there anybody here that's in pain right now? I think we need to stop and pray. Can we have somebody from the minister team come over here? Is there anybody else that's in pain right now? Father God, we come before you right now and we acknowledge you. As we have shared these testimonies today, God, the faith within us is just rising up to receive your precious gift of healing. God, we know your will. Your will is that all of your people would be whole. Jesus, you paid the price for our wholeness once and for all on Calvary. The blood that you shed was shed for our healing. So right now, I speak healing over Leslie in Jesus' name. I speak healing over her body. I speak healing over her immune system. I speak healing over every part of her body that is weakened right now. Where you are, there is strength. Where you are, there is healing. Father God, I call healing right now over Leslie and over her body and over whatever it is that's causing the pain. I speak right now to the spirit of pain. And I command the spirit of pain to come out in the name of Jesus. And I speak to the mountain of pain. I speak to the cause of the mountain, whatever it is, and I command it to be removed in Jesus' holy name. God, we love you. It is our heart's desire to see you glorified. We will declare your works, God, with every breath that we breathe. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Maybe one of you could just stay right there with her and just continue to pray and soak her in that prayer because I know that God's, just like he healed Edna last week, just like he healed that man that came with us a few weeks ago, just like he healed the nephew of Jerry, he's here to heal the pain in any one of us that's here with pain. Okay, so this message that God gave me for tonight is probably for Cindy. But I'm going to share it because this is the word that God gave me to share. A couple weeks ago, I was teaching in, um, at, at our illness recovery. And I was teaching a little tidbit from um, my book called Healed for Life, which is about how to keep your healing. I was teaching a little tidbit about living a healthy lifestyle, which there's a big chunk of this called living a healthy lifestyle. It's an important part of keeping your healing. It's taking care of the temple God gave us. And as I was teaching that, I got just a a, a tug in my spirit. And when that happens, I often say, okay, God, I know you want me to, to, to delve into this some more. So when Pastor Tim asked me to teach a couple weeks ago, I thought, you know what? That's what I want to teach on. So I started to prepare and look at God's word about this. The name of this is Stress Less and fruitful. Well, the enemy, (laughs) the enemy, he thinks he's smart, but he isn't. The enemy, through the time that I started uh, seeking God about this, and now, has just piled on the stress on Cindy's shoulders, on me. And um, to the point where last week, I... I, um, scheduled an appointment with my principal, and I said, we have to talk, <laughs> because I physically cannot do what I'm doing at work. I just can't. 
It's just too much. We've got to take some things off. Well, <laughs> we get done with this conversation, and I started smiling, and I said, you know, I'm teaching this week, and guess what the topic is? <laughs> Stress. So it's like, i got to practice what I preach. So that's what I'm doing right now. Stressless and fruitful. How many of you know Creflo Dollar? You heard, ever heard of him, Creflo Dollar? He's a, a, a very strong, charismatic um, preacher, teacher. I was listening to him a couple months ago, and this is a statement that he made that stuck with me. Dis-ease will result in disease. Dis-ease will result in disease. What I want to talk about is stress. Research has shown that 75 to 90% of doctor visits are in some way stress-related. And it can affect just about every bodily system in your, in your system. I'm going to give you a couple examples. Your muscles are a prime target for stress. So things like headaches, neck pain, jaw pain, and back pain are very common stress-induced conditions that can result from muscle tension. Stress is considered a major risk factor in heart disease and strokes. That's caused by blood pressure and cholesterol. Stress can affect your digestive system, resulting in constipation, diarrhea, and chronic diseases like IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, or colitis. Stress can compromise your immune system, making it less effective in resisting bacteria and viruses. And that can um, result in cancer metastasis or rheumatoid arthritis or certain allergies or other autoimmune conditions. So if this thing called stress, guess what this is? It's a deception of the enemy. If this thing called stress can lead to stuff going on in our body, and it does all the time, then we need to expose the enemy's junk so that we could stand in that place of keeping our healing, of staying healed, of living in divine health. I would like to, well, I'm, we don't need to turn there because I've already quoted it and it's a scripture most of us know, but John 10.10 10 says that the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. And this stress, this thing called stress, is one of the ways he does it, but it's a very subtle way. Because in the midst of your life, in the midst of your responsibilities, in the midst of your taking care of your family, in the midst of relationships, in the midst of work, whatever it is, um, reaching your goal, maybe going to college, whatever it is you're doing, in the midst of that, the enemy can get in the middle of it and you may not even recognize it. But that is on the side of the line where the enemy could possibly be coming to steal, kill, or destroy. But that's not Jesus. Jesus says, I came that you might have life and have abundance. And that is even with family relationships, even with busyness at work, even with whatever it is that you're walking through, if we do it God's way instead of buying the enemy's junk. So that's what I want to talk about. And I would like you now to turn in your Bibles to Mark 4. This is this kind of the central scripture that I would like to um, focus on. This is the parable of the sower. You've probably never heard me teach this one. Mark chapter 4, starting with verse 3. Listen, behold, 
a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched and because it had no root, it withered away. This is the one we're going to pay attention to. And some seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it. And it yielded no crop. It was choked by the thorns, and it didn't yield a crop. That's what we're going to talk about. The stresses of life, the busyness of life, the distractions of life, choking the word so that it's not fruitful. I'd like to skip ahead to Jesus' explanation of this parable, starting with verse 14. The sower sows the word. So the parable is about the sower and about the seed. But that seed is God's promises. That seed is God's promises that say, by the stripes of Jesus you were healed. The seed that says, we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. The seed that says that Jesus took his sin and sickness into our body on the tree so that we could be cleansed, so that we could be freed from sin. And by the stripes of Jesus we were healed. And verse, seven, or verse 18, this is, the, this is Jesus' explanation. He said, Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and other things Choke the word, and it's not fruitful. This is that same scripture in the message. The seed cast in the weeds represents the ones who hear the kingdom news but are overwhelmed with worries about all the things they have to do and all the things they want to get. The stress strangles what they heard, and nothing comes of it. The stress strangles what they heard, and nothing comes of it. So some of those issues of life that can distract us from the word. The physical symptoms. The physical stuff that you're experiencing. The doctor's report. All of the stuff that goes along with sickness can distract us from the word. You've often heard me share the scripture in Hebrews that says, look beyond all that will distract to Jesus. But it doesn't necessarily have to be a diagnosis or symptoms. In my case, in this past month or two of school, it's been building and building and building, and I'm perfectly healthy. But the enemy has a distraction there. And we need to recognize it when there is a distraction and not let him do that. So some of the other things besides sickness or symptoms or doctor's report could be pressures of life. It could be joblessness or um, not enough income coming in. It could be mountains of responsibility. In my case, it's busyness. It could be goals that you set for yourself, striving to reach a certain point. It could be perfectionism. We're going to talk about that in a minute. It's a counterfeit of excellence. Perfectionism isn't good. Perfectionist is destructive, perfectionism. Excellence is good, but perfectionism is the enemy's twist on excellence. 
So here's the enemy, the pro-distractor. And one of the ways that he distracts us is through stress. If we take his bait, what we're doing is we're focusing on me. We're looking inward at what I have to do, at what, what my list is, at what you know, the issues in my life are, instead of looking beyond that distraction to Jesus. But God's way is so much better. God's way is so much better. Philippians 4. Would you please turn there? Philippians 4. This is God's way. Verse 6 and 7. He says not to be anxious. He says not to be worried. He says not to be consumed with stress. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds through Christ Jesus. He says, don't be anxious. You can, with God, not without God, but with God, you can walk through anything, right, Tracy? You can walk through anything and have that supernatural peace that passes all understanding with God. You give it to him, you pray. You give it to him, and you let his peace. And this is what it does. It guards your heart and your mind. So instead of focusing on the issue, instead of meditating on how much you have to do or what the issue or what the doctor's report is, you walk in a supernatural peace. 1 Peter 5, 7 gives us another direction. Turn there, please. He says, casting the whole of your cares, all your anxieties, there's that word again, All your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. For he cares for you affectionately, and he cares for you watchfully. When I read that scripture, I start with verse 6 and I go to verse 9. Because it's like a sandwich. Verse 7 says, cast your cares on God. Oh, he loves you so much. He says, baby girl, I'm here for you. Son, I'm here for you. I'm going to take care of all your problems, everything. But that's in the middle of this other sandwich thing. (laughs) Verse 6 says, humble yourself. You know, when we're in that place of, of, um, I'm going to say pride, when it's all about me, all about what is going on in my life, all about the, the pressures or whatever it is, a form of pride. God says, humble yourself. Lower yourself in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God that in due time he may exalt you. And then comes the scripture about God loving us so much. He's going to take care of everything. Just give him your problems. Let him take care. And then verse 8 is the other half of that sandwich. He says, or the other piece of bread. He says, be, be careful, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. It doesn't say who he will devour. It says who he may devour. And then it says, resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are, experienced, are being experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So cast your cares on him. 
Resist the enemy. Seek God. Put God higher than you. Humble yourself. Exalt God. His way works. His way works. I'm going to give you real quickly 10 ways to de-stress your life. 10 ways. Now, before I do that, I want to talk about the new creation that we are. We couldn't do these 10 things without having Jesus in us. But we become new creation. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. I've been healed of cancer for over 10 years. Before I was healed of cancer, I wasn't a new creation. I didn't know Jesus. And in that old life, many of my friends know my story. I was a workaholic. I I was consumed with work. It was my priority. It was my number one priority. After I received Jesus and gave, just what I'm saying, I mean, I didn't strive to do it. I didn't need to because the Holy Spirit was in me. And I started seeking him. That's all I had to do. Took the step and started seeking God. He gave me the peace. He started showing me his love in many, many ways. Like I was talking to Tracy about writing down those things, acknowledging what he was doing. A lot of things were just little, but they were big deals because he was just loving on me and showing me his faithfulness. So I started to become this new creation. And as I um, started to release things to him, as I started to give him lordship of my life, I realized I needed to give him lordship over more than just the healing part. And I started to release other parts of my life to him and let him be the Lord of my life. You've heard the term um, asking Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior. But have you really thought about what that means? When we give Jesus, when we ask him to be our Savior, we ask him, We receive from him what he paid the price for to save us from our sins, to save us from eternal damnation, to save us from sickness, to save us from all the things that he came to redeem us from. But the other part is to give him lordship. That means that we're going to let him help us. We're going to let him carry us. We're going to let him help, you know, take, take us and just... Like one of the scriptures that has blessed me so much, he said, Cindy, I'm going to carry you. I'm going to continue to carry you the way a father carries his child. That's giving him lordship over everything, not just your physical issues, but everything. So here's the top ten. Number one, cast your cares upon God continuously. So that's First Peter 5, 7. But do it continuously. So on a daily basis, look ahead to what the day beholds. It might be in the physical realm. In my case, it's what I have to do at work. But look at what the day holds and give it over to the Lord. Give him lordship of that day, of that thing, of that moment. And make specific requests. Philippians 4, 6. Make specific requests. When I spend, I spend my time with God every day, first thing. 
I won't start a day without him. And so I, I know it's usually what's coming in my day, and I take that thing and I say, God, I need you. <laughs> I'm giving you lordship. I need you to help me with this. So number one is cast your cares upon God continuously. Number two, ask for the prayer of agreement with a faith partner. This is Matthew eighteen nineteen. The scripture says, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now, in my case, the first person I ask for for a prayer of agreement is my husband. When Kent prays for me, it's a done deal. It's sealed. Absolutely, there is so much power in a husband and a wife praying in agreement. When he prays for me, I know that it's completely done. This week I had uh, uh, just a short little testimony. I, I, I'm the MEEP coordinator at my school, and I had literally, I don't know how many tests that I needed to organize and prepare to um, send back to the state. And it usually takes me, um, usually takes me about a week to get them ready to go. And I was going to start this particular day. And I said, Can't you pray with me? Pray that I won't have interruptions. I was specific. Pray that I can get a lot done today. I just want this off my plate. I had no interruptions. I never have that happen at my work. I have interruptions constantly. That day I had no interruptions. My door was closed, which is very rare, and I was able to work, and I got it all done in one day, which never has happened. But I specifically asked my husband to pray for me. The second thing you can do if you don't have a husband or if you don't have somebody right like close like that, get a prayer partner. I have a prayer partner. I pray with her every day on the way to school with my Bluetooth and my telephone and my car. And I pray with her every day. We pray consistently. So I have a prayer partner. So if you don't have a partner in faith, look around and see who you know that believes that Jesus answers prayers, who believes that his word is true. And when we speak his word, it's as good as done because God is faithful. So number two is to pray in agreement. Number three, delegate. Learn to ask for help and then accept it. Let go of having everything done your way and in your timing. So when I went with my principal last week, I I had several, I had planned out, you know, these are some of the big things that I've got on my plate right now. And I looked with her and I said, I think, this is something somebody can help me with. And I think this is something somebody can help me with. And so we looked at it together and began to delegate so some things can be removed. But now I have to let her, I have to let the other people do those things in their way. And it doesn't, I can't worry about if it's not the way Cindy would do it. So delegate. Number four, prioritize. What's the most important? Focus on what needs your attention first. Go and finish those things. You know, work on those tasks. But then those low-priority things can wait. And let them wait. Like I said, I'm preaching to myself, guys, because I need all this. I don't know, you know, when I prepared this, I was like, God, this isn't what I usually teach. But this is what he wanted me to share, so I think it's for somebody here. Number five, do your best, but don't overdo. Perfection is the enemy's counterfeit for excellence. If we try to be perfect, it can keep you working at things longer than necessary. Things don't have to be perfect. 
Sometimes trying too hard at any one thing makes a person very inefficient. Focus on simplifying. One of the things on my plate right now is we got a new reading program. And along with this reading program came hundreds of books and lots of other materials. And um, they're great materials, but it just takes time to get them all organized. And the teachers say, oh, we should laminate these and cut them all out and do this and do that. And Cindy says, oh, no. The kids can learn just as well from little pieces of paper cut out as they can have it all pretty and laminated. No. Simple, simple, simple. Another way that I simplify is I love to have people over for dinner. I love to do it. But I do it simply because I'm not going to spend all of my precious energy making it perfect. It doesn't need to be perfect. I want a fellowship. It doesn't matter if it's perfect. We have just as much fun if it's, you know, we put all the pots out on the, the island and everybody serves themselves as if I use all the pretty serving dishes. So simplify. Number six, learn to say no. Overcommitting will leave you overwhelmed. I said no today. I got an email and my, somebody said, is anybody out there able to do this, this template thing with this big form? And I typed back, not me. <laughs> nope. Number seven, establish accountability partners. Look for signs in you that you're allowing the enemy to rule. Look for signs of that stress rising up. You'll probably know what your signs are. In me, those signs are things like a short temper, or Kent knows when I come home and I'm really quiet, like I'm in a bad mood, I just don't want to talk. Right, honey? At school, the things that I ask my accountability partners to watch for are me not actively listening. So somebody's talking to me and I kind of glaze over and I'm thinking about what I need to do instead of listening. And if they recognize that, or if they see me not smiling, because I usually smile, if you see me doing those things, I say, I've got two different accountability partners at my school who I've talked to, and I say, if you see me doing this, tell me. So you know what those behaviors are in you. And if you truly want to fight the enemy, get somebody to help you. Because you might not recognize it, or even if you do recognize it, you may, you may be ignoring it. So get that accountability partner. Number eight, don't plan too far ahead. Matthew 6.34 says, So do not worry or be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have worries and anxieties of its own. That's God's word, right? Sufficient for each day is its own trouble. I often see people that plan really far ahead, and it becomes big the thing that they're planning for. And it becomes immense and it, it worries them and it, it adds stress to whatever the event is. It should be a beautiful thing or a fun thing. An example that I'm just going to share in my life is Christmas. My family starts talking about Christmas plans in the summertime. And, you know, and Ken and I, we're more to say, we, we, you know, we say, well, 
I don't know. We haven't figured that part out yet. You know, it's, we don't need to plan that far ahead. We're going to have a beautiful holiday. We don't need to plan six months ahead. Um, one of the things that's going on in our life right now is this is my last year to teach. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. But at the end of in June, I will officially be retired. So now my family is saying, what are you going to do when you retire? Are you going to move up north? Are you going to move to Florida? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? And Kent and I say, don't know. We'll see where God leads us at that time. We're doing what we can do in the natural to be prepared as far as finances and that kind of thing. But as far as what we're going to physically do and work, we know that we want to serve God. But we're seeking God and, and we're not trying to plan for him. So don't look too far ahead. Don't plan too far ahead. God's going to help you one step at a time, one day at a time. And when you look too far ahead, it can cause that thing called stress to weigh down on you. That's not God's best. Number nine, acknowledge God constantly and he will direct your paths. Acknowledge God in the midst of, of your life, in the midst of the whatever it is that the enemy is either distracting you with very subtly or in your face. <laughs> Acknowledge God. It might be you don't have a testimony at all. There's nothing good happening yet. But you might be in that place of knowing that God's carrying you right at this moment. Acknowledge him. You might have a peace that passes all understanding. It doesn't make sense. Acknowledge him. You might have uh, been led to the right person at the right place at the right time. Acknowledge him. Whatever it is he's doing, acknowledge him. He will direct your paths. I believe it's important to continuously acknowledge him in order to have your path laid out in front of you so that you can recognize it. So acknowledge him constantly. And number 10, pray constantly. Ephesians 5.18, the first half of the scripture, says pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the spirit, with all manner of prayer and entreaty. Pray constantly. Start your day with prayer. Pray constantly throughout the day. Um, pray in tongues if you're, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're not, ask one of the ministry team because that's a beautiful way to pray. Um, I pray. I mean, this is just, these are some just practical examples of times that I find to pray. It's not like it's a burden. It's just what I do. I, I start my day with prayer. I pray with my prayer partner on the way to work. I, whenever I'm in the car, either the music is on and I'm praising, which is a form of prayer. Um, when I'm walking kids, I, I walk back and forth in the school a lot because I work with little groups of kids, so I have to go pick them up and walk back. So I walk a lot. And every time I'm walking in the hall, I've got a little trail of kids behind me, and I'm always praying in tongues, quietly, of course, <laughs> all the time that I'm walking. Um, I love it. <laughs> I shouldn't say this. It sounds cruel. But I love it when the little ones come to me and they've got a cough or a sneeze or a cold or whatever because I can pray for them. They don't know I'm praying for them, but I always touch them. 
When we lay hands on sick, they'll recover. We don't even have to say a word, and we're praying. And I do pray as well, quietly. Pray. I love it. I have a, a workroom in my school. It's just a, like a closet thing. That's my prayer room. <laughs> and the people in my school know that I pray a lot. So when they come and I see the look on their face, I say, come here. <laughs> we go in my little closet, and I pray for them. So when the opportunity arises, pray. Pray constantly. That stress thing, if you recognize it, it has no power over you. Just like we were talking at the very beginning about our authority as believers. We have authority over the enemy in every form that he's in. But he can be very subtle. John 10.10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give us life. He came to steal. He came to, to destroy. He came to bring stress and sickness. But Jesus came for the fruitfulness. Jesus came so that we could have the fullness and abundance of life and the fruit of life. So let's just, I'm going to pray and I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor Tim. Father, we come before you right now and I just pray right now. I give this to you. Father, this, this word that you've given me about the burdens of life, in whatever form or fashion they appear. Father, right now, I thank you for exposing one of the enemy's distractions in the form of burdens, in the form of stress, in the form of of issues or responsibilities or heaviness upon our lives. Father, right now, I call the enemy's plan canceled out and completely detached and separated from us. And I thank you, Father, that we receive what Jesus came to give us, and that is fruitfulness. As that word is sown in our hearts, and as we receive your word, God, I thank you that that word is fruitful, that it produces a rich harvest. And Father, I even pray right now, I pray an anointing over everyone in here, to go forth and to take that seed and to sow it in other lives, to sow your word of truth, to sow your healing, to sow everything that you have for us, Father, what you've blessed us with, may we give it away and may it be multiplied and go out into the world. Lord, we just thank you for what you are, for who you are, for how great you are, how good you are, and we bless your name. We will live and not die. And declare your works all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pastor Tim? Amen. Amen.